0: We're going to go ahead and continue our discussion of the culture of Living Hope Family Church. And uh, this will be the, the fifth episode. And uh, we're going to talk about today that as a church, we are a people of faith. How many of you know that faith is kind of important? Faith is kind of a, a, kind of a big deal. If you didn't know that, you write it down so you don't forget. Faith is a big deal in the Christian religion. You see, and the, the question we have to ask then, if it's so important, what is faith? Because the truth is that there's, there's, a, there's a couple of different kinds of faith. There is biblical faith or faith in God or there's worldly faith. But the truth is, and they might use different words for it, but everybody has faith. Everybody believes in something. Everybody trusts in something. Right now, every single one of you are, are, are participating in faith that is so strong that you can't even, you probably don't even realize it. But not a single person of you came in here and went. It's going to hold me up and sat down. Everybody just sat down, right? You guys had some serious faith in the chair that you're looking at right now. You didn't even realize it because you believe that the chair is going to hold you. You didn't doubt it for a second. You just sat down. And that's, you know, people have faith in worldly things like that. How can we have faith in something so innate, so so ordinary, yet struggle in faith in a God who's all-powerful, who can do all things? But we do that. That's, that's worldly faith. We have faith in all kinds. I mean, we have faith in the, the government. We have a lot of faith in the government. Yes, you do. You have more faith in the government than you think. You guys, you guys spend that money that's, that's backed by the government. We believe that they're going to back up that, that, that money, right? And we all have faith in, in worldly things. We believe that the, when we hand somebody a dollar bill that it's going to be worth a dollar bill as much as we're trying to make it worth less and less every day. But still, we do have faith in worldly things. But what we need to have is that kind of faith in our God who can do everything. And And the the funny thing is we sometimes we struggle in that area, which is so weird because faith in all this so this is all temporary stuff this is all i mean the truth is you could come in and, and somebody could have run a hacksaw into the legs of your chair and it's right out from underneath you but the, i mean it's like the other day we were out playing in the with the youth and and i had faith in my feet and next thing you know they weren't underneath me and i was flat on the ground we put faith in all kinds of stuff. We don't put, because all those things can let you down. You don't want to put your faith in a man because a man will eventually put you down. And I'm saying that in, the, in biblical man. That means women too. Don't put faith in men or women. I mean, we, I mean, we trust people. We have to. But we can't put our, 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 our undying faith in because eventually they will let you down. But our God, he'll never let you down. When you put, And the funny thing is it's so hard for us. But faith in God is faith in infallible truth. Like how can that ever let us down? So this morning, as we as we get started on that, you know, we're going to look at a few things. One, we're going to look at where faith comes from. Because that's important to know. We need to know where faith comes from. We're going to look at, uh, is God worthy of our faith? Is He trustworthy? Can we put our faith in Him? Is He who He says He is? Is He going to do what He says He's going to do? We're going to learn about what the number one enemy of faith is, and that's unbelief. We're going to learn, uh, take a few looks at, at uh, some people that, were, that, that are models of our faith. Or having faith like a child has actually worked out pretty well because because uh, John in our men's meeting he was talking about being models of faith and patience to uh, in our men's meeting, and it fit right in with what we were doing today. God's good like that. And then we're going to look at the power of faith because that's important. Why are you going to have faith in something if it's if it's not worth anything? And then we're going to end and, and look at a few few. Uh, Areas of faith and action in the scripture. Because I believe that when we look and see other people acting in faith. It can inspire our own faith. Amen. So the first question is, what is faith? Hebrews eleven one thirty two 2 said, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Did you know that the, uh, the definition of faith has changed over the years? I looked up the definition of faith in the dictionary, and this is what it says now. Belief in God are in the doctrines or teachings of religion. And you're like, well, that kind of makes sense. Belief in God, that's what faith is. Right, I guess it's not a terrible definition, but you know what it was in 1982? This is what the Webster's Dictionary defined faith as in 1982. The firm belief of God's testimony and of the truth of the gospel, which influences the will, leads to an entire reliance on Christ for salvation. Now, that's a much better definition. But even we've, we've watered it down over the years. Oh, it's just belief in God. No, it's belief. It's, a, it's an unwavering belief in the truth of the gospel. I don't like this word right here. This now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Another translation says that that's the substance or subsistence. It's the very fan, foundation that our hope sta- stands on. It says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. With, without faith, there can be no hope. And faith is actually what brings, its the, like I said, the substance or subsistence is what brings it into existence. Our faith produces that hope, and it's why we can stand on it. And it says it's a conviction of things not seen. See, that's the problem that people have with faith is, is, is it's the conviction. It's the, it's the utter reliance on things not seen. It's believing something that we don't see. It's calling things that aren't as though they are. And sometimes we feel like we're a little bit crazy when we do that. Sometimes we feel like that, oh, we're just telling a lie. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, people will say, that you're crazy. Why are you saying that you're healed? You're, you're obviously not healed. We, we, we do it in faith. We do it because the Scripture says so. And I can tell you what, the truth of my God, what he says, is much more valuable. It's much more trustworthy. It's much more faithful than anything somebody else might see. Even my own eyes, my eyes will lie to me, but God won't. You ever heard somebody refer to it as blind faith? They try to use that as a way to, uh, to, to talk you down. Like, you're crazy. That's, that's blind faith. Why would you have such blind faith? And I actually agree. I think blind faith is stupid. Having blind faith in somebody. I mean, if you walked up to somebody, like if I just walked somebody out in the street and gave them my paycheck and said, hey, would you go deposit this for me? That's blind faith. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they could they could go. They could just throw it away. They might deposit for me. Somebody might actually just be like so dumbfounded they just go to the bank and deposit. But that's blind faith. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who they are. You don't know if they're trustworthy. You don't know if if they're a criminal. You don't know anything about them. Blind faith is stupid. But faith in God isn't blind. Faith in God is a faith in something that's so... It's almost it's it's almost stupid to not have faith in God because it's the only thing you can put your faith in that's a guarantee. And the truth is, everybody's got to put their faith in something. What's your faith in? Is your faith in your spouse? Is your faith in your job? Is your faith in your retirement plan? Or is your faith in God? The truth is, all that other stuff will come, in, come into order if you just put God first. And Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. It doesn't say without faith it's harder. It doesn't say without faith it takes longer. It says without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Basically, you must believe that He is who He says He is and believe that He'll do what He says He will do. And the truth is, is that sacrifices and good works, offerings, that doesn't mean anything to God. That's just the thing. In Hebrews ten five through 6, it says this, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. And then Isaiah 64, 6, it says this, We have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Other translations say they're like filthy rags. Matter of fact, the, the word being used there, they've really watered it down in the ESV. They've watered it down in most translations. It's actually talking about menstrual rags. It's talking about stuff that's, uh, that's not good for any. It's just trash. It's garbage. It's nothing. He says that's what our, our good deeds are like to God. He says we all fade like a leaf in our inequities and like the wind take us away. Those, those good that, that, that's not what God's looking for matter of fact, in Philippians 3.8, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All that other stuff, good deeds, works, they don't mean it. God just wants you to trust him. You know what? The great thing is though, when you begin to trust God, you begin to just naturally do those good things. You begin to naturally do those good works. You begin to naturally love people and serve people, which is what God... But this, that's not... What gains you favor with God? Your faith gains you favor with God. And religious ceremony is not going to cut it. He's looking for real faith. He's not looking for people that that look good on Sunday morning inside the church, but the rest of the week you don't even couldn't even tell they knew God. We have to believe that He is who He says He is, and that He'll do what He says He'll do. James one seventeen says. Uh, the, the question that I'm, that I'm asking here is, all right, so we know that we need to put faith in Him. He says that, that without faith, um, I, I, He can't be pleased because it's, it's His faith, it's our faith in Him that pleases Him. So the question is, that, well, if we need to place our faith in God. Is He faithful? That's a good question to know. If you're going to put your trust in something, you want to know if it's trustworthy, right? So the Scripture says in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow do to change. Other translations says there's no shifting shadow. What it means is that God is, is solid. There's, God's not going to change. If God will do something for some person, he'll do it for you. God's not a respecter of persons. And we see his work in our lives and we see evidence of his faithfulness and that never ever change. He's always going to be faithful to you. And every good gift comes from him, and nothing ever changes. In Numbers twenty-three, nineteen says, "God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill? Those are rhetorical questions. The answer is obviously: if he has said it, he will do it. And if that's who God is—if he said it, he'll do it—and he can't change his mind, he can't lie then we can put our trust in him. Whatever he says is going to come to fruition because he is trustworthy. There was once a little preacher's kid who was told to to go wash his hands before dinner every night. And he, he said, they kept telling him, you got to go wash your hands, there's germs on your hands. Go wash your hands, there's germs. On every, Sunday, every every time before supper and lunch and breakfast, go wash your hands, there's germs on your hands. And he's running to the bathroom going, germs in Jesus, germs in Jesus. all I ever hear around this place. And I ain't never seen either one of them. But the truth is, we see Jesus. We see God in our lives. We see Him act in our lives, and He's faithful. Now, the truth is: is how do we determine someone is something is worth trusting? You have to ask: Is it reliable? Is God reliable? Amen. If He says that He'll do it, He's not going to change His mind. There's no shifting shadows in God. Will it stand the test of time? Well, He's eternal. I think it's gonna. It's not like a. It's not like when someone makes you a promise, it's only good until they, until they die because there's no more evidence that they made that promise. When God says it, it's, not only is it trustworthy, but it's, it's a test of time. And I think the final thing that you can tell if somebody's trustworthy is do they love you? Because if somebody loves you, they're going to take care of you. And oh, God loves you. He loves you so much. God sent his son to die for you. I would not send my son to die for you, and I love you, but not that much he loves you that much and because of that i believe that god is trustworthy amen so if that's the case where do we get faith and romans 10 17 says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ we we we, our faith grows through the word of god when we hear the word of god it inspires faith 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 inside of us. In 1 Corinthians 2, 4-5, through 5, it says, In my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith rests in God's Word and the power of His might. So when we hear the Word of God, it actually inspires faith. As in a matter of fact, if you're having a struggle in any area of faith in your life, look up scriptures that pertain to that. Having trouble trusting God for your finances, and you keep hearing the pastor say, give, and you're like, I can't give, I don't have any money. Begin to look up scriptures where it talks about giving in the Bible and how God will provide for you. And you'll notice that when you begin to read those, you begin to see that God is faithful and that will do those things in your life and your faith will grow. And then when you have the faith, then it's easy to write a check when you don't got any money. I don't think it was hard for that the widow that gave the check. I don't think that was hard for her to give that. I don't think she was, uh, she she knew God would take care of her no matter what, so she gave everything. I've never even asked you to give everything. We're working on that. One day your faith's going to be that good and I'm just asking ask you to give everything. I swear one time uh, people have talked about, actually Tony was just telling me the other day, or uh, she has a family member that's, that's worried about, uh, you know, I don't want to go to church because all they want is my money. I'm like, I tell them I don't just want his money, tell them I want everything. I want, his, I want his house, his kids, I want him, I want him to give his life fully to God. Everything should be God's. You call me crazy, but that's how, I mean, man, that's how I want to live my life. That's how I want to live others, to live others' life. Not because I want their stuff. I care less about their stuff. I want to see what God will do in their lives when they're willing to give everything to Him. Because I know what He's done in mine, and I want everybody to have that. In Romans twelve three it says, For by the grace given to me, I say, everyone among you not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You know, all of us have been given a measure of faith. We've all been given a portion. And I don't personally believe that some of us have been given more faith than others. I believe that we're given a portion of faith and we're uh, we're expected to grow it. By spending time in His Word, it'll increase. You ever wondered why I put so many scriptures up on the on the board when I preach? You ever wonder why even when I do that, half of them I don't even put on the board? I don't have enough I don't have enough space. But it's because my preaching is not going to inspire faith in you. Hopefully my words can help bring stuff into perspective. Hopefully it can help you get there. But it's his word that's going to inspire faith in you. If I sit up here and preach all day long and only put one scripture it's going to be much less effective than I just sat up here and read the Bible to you. Because it's his word that will increase your faith. And it's grown by hearing or reading the Word of God. If you're struggling with faith, spend more time in the Word. Get up in the morning and read your Bible. Like I said, if you have something going on you're having a health issue, get up and read scriptures about about healing. Post them on your, on your fridge, on your mirror. Put them everywhere. Because as you read them, your faith will be inspired and grown. The truth is that faith that rests on the wisdom of man is a brittle creation that will fall and rip apart. But faith in God is solid. It is it is something that you can put your trust in and it will never go away. It's even like when we do testimonies. You ever had somebody come up and give their testimony? Testimonies are awesome. But testimonies don't produce faith. Testimonies will never get anybody saved because they need faith to be saved. But what they do is they provide an opportunity for people to hear the word of Christ. When they hear what's going on in your life, like, hey, maybe I want to hear something about that. And then you begin to minister the word to them, and you'll see faith well up inside of them. And then you can ask them, hey, do you want to give your, your life to the Lord? Do you want to put your trust fully in Him? Because then they'll have that faith growing for that. The next thing I want to talk about is, what is the enemy of faith? You know that there's an enemy of faith. There's something that wants to destroy your faith. It wants to tear it down. It, the devil doesn't want you to have any faith. In Matthew 13, 55-58, it says, "Is not the carpenter's, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many works there. Why? Because Jesus wasn't powerful? No. Because Jesus wasn't, God wasn't happy with Jesus? No. This is because of their unbelief. In Matthew 14, 28, it says, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? In two areas right here, we see that that people's ability to walk in the power of God, to have God work in their life, is limited by their faith. You know, it says here that he could not do many works there because of their unbelief. You know, people will talk about how God is all-powerful and he can do anything, but you know, you can actually limit God's ability to work in your life if you won't trust in him. And if you won't believe that he'll do what he says he's going to do. That's why, especially healing, is one of the areas that I have struggled with for faith in, in my life. And I believe that's one that's why God's had me teach on it so much in different areas because he wanted me to spend time with it and have it grow, and it's grown a lot. And I, I, I trust a lot more in that area, and I'm, I'm a whole lot less skeptical when I hear about people being healed because I needed that to grow in my life. But I was limiting God's ability to do that kind of work in my life because I'm like, I'm not having it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. You know, I don't believe in that stuff. And wouldn't you know, I never saw it. Or I remember the first time when, when uh, I got prayed for and, and I was just touched by the Holy Spirit. Next thing you know, I was flat on my back. People were like, why, why did you fall down? My legs stopped working. When you're touched by God, sometimes your body doesn't know how to react. But there were so many years that I would go up and stand in line and get prayed for. And I was steadfast in my resolve that that wasn't going to happen to me. And, and I, I didn't believe that was real. I thought that was them just you know walking up and pushing on people and all those things. And, and, and wouldn't you know, it never, ever happened. And I remember the first time that ever happened, I said, you know what, God, I'm just going to surrender. Whatever you want to do, I trust you. And bam, first, just like that, I began to trust in him. And, and I was touched by the Holy Spirit. And the next, I, I don't know, I just, I was on the ground. I don't remember even falling. I was just there. And they asked, why did that happen? Apparently, my body couldn't take being touched by the Spirit of God. I didn't know how to react, so it just, I went down. That's why they have people catching you, because, Yeah. But it wasn't until I finally said, you know what? I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to believe you. And all of a sudden, God could work in that area of my life. And the funny thing is, is like Peter here, how many times have we started out good? We started out, I mean, this is an incredible thing. Can you imagine he was walking on water? I want you to know the water wasn't holding him up. It was his faith and the power of God working. It was holding him up. And he gets out there. And all of a sudden he gets distracted by a little a little storm or a big storm. I don't know how big it was. But it doesn't really matter when you're walking with God. It doesn't matter how big the storms are. If your trust is in him, it doesn't matter. You can just keep walking out to him. And he began to walk on. The way. He did an amazing thing. I mean, what kind of faith would that take to step out of the boat? It's like those cartoons. You remember when they would... They would walk off the edge of a building or something, they just keep walking until they look down and realize there's nothing. Have you ever seen the cartoons like that? That's kind of like this one. Peter got out of the boat just kept walking on water. And then he began to, instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus, he went and looked at the storm. He looked at the waves coming up and he got distracted. And the next thing you know, he begins to sink. And what's Jesus say? You of little faith. It was his, his lack of faith that caused that to happen. So remember that in your life, if you're having trouble in an area of faith, it's, un- or it's, it's unbelief, it's, it's not trusting that's going to cause uh, those areas where faith should be manifesting in your life. The, the reality, and I don't mean faith itself, because it's, the problem is, is we probably don't have enough faith in those areas. But if we don't have a promise manifesting in our life, it's probably because we're distracted by other things instead of looking at Jesus. Because the truth is, the Scripture says the promises are yes. And amen in Him, all the promises of God. So, what if that's the case? What limits it? We just don't trust Him fully, I believe, sometimes. And faith has great power in your lives if you would just let it work to its fruition. In Matthew seventeen twenty, it says, "He said to them." Uh, because of your, your little faith, truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then in Matthew twenty one twenty one, it says, And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what you have been, have been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and be thrown into the sea, it will happen. You know, if we will start walking in complete and absolute faith in God, we could do incredible things. And this is actually an interesting verse here. It says, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And I've always wondered, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. If, if I have faith, basically what it seems like it's saying is, that if you have tiny faith, itty-bitty faith, then you can move a mountain. And I actually don't Believe, that's exactly what he's saying there. He says if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed. And when you look at a mustard seed, our initial thought is, is it's tiny. It's, 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 it's nothing. And I believe there's some things that only require a little bit of faith. I believe to get saved, it just requires a little bit of faith. But if you want to see yourself get cured of cancer, that's going to require a whole lot of faith. If you want to actually see a mountain physically get up and moved, I believe that we can have that kind of faith. But that, that's, that's a lot of faith to have. And as I began thinking about this and reading and studying this, this, is faith like a grain of mustard seed? I began to realize he doesn't say faith the size of a mustard seed. And no translation that you'll read, no matter how they say it, it doesn't say faith the size, it says faith like a mustard seed. So what is like a mustard seed? This is a mustard seed. It's tiny. It's itty-bitty. But this is what it grows into. What's that, a ten-foot-tall plant? So something this small grows into this. So when he says you need to have faith like a mustard you need to have faith that may start out small, but it's going to grow as you begin to trust in him and hear the word of God. And if you'll have faith like that mustard seed that starts out like this and you let it grow and you trust in him and you keep walking it out, then you're going to be capable of moving mountains. And that's a tough one, but I believe that if, if we were walking in the kind of faith that Jesus had, this there's no doubt at all that, that we could actually command mountains to move. Now we don't see stuff like that today because I think that none of us are, are there yet. Even Paul said, I'm not I'm not perfect yet, I'm not there yet. I keep pressing forward. But I believe that with the power of God is capable of doing these kind of things. And the truth is, the thing about faith is that it's us saying this stuff. One of Pastor Mike's uh, sayings that he says along, it's one of my favorites, he says, you know, we gotta stop telling our God about our problems, but instead start telling our problems about our God. We need to stop complaining to God about what's going on and instead of begin to speak to our mountains in faith. Nowhere in the Scripture does this say, you know, if you have a lot of faith, then you can beg God to do stuff, and He'll, he'll begin to do it. It, says, it doesn't even say you should ask God to move these mountains. He says, you say to the mountains. You tell it to get up and go. That means that when you're dealing with a sickness, you can say, I take authority over you, whatever's going on in my body, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. That's operating in faith, and that's you saying to your mountain, get the heck out of here. Amen? And faith is powerful. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says for we walk by faith and not by sight. That means that when we walk, when we live our lives, it's not us living, it's Jesus living inside of us. And Jesus was, was incredibly powerful and in tune with the Word of God. And that means that we can live just like he lived. That's why it says in the scripture, uh, when it's talking about his miracles, when he leaves, when he goes to the Father, he says, greater works than these will you do. Because Instead of just having one Jesus going around doing miracles, there's going to be tons of, when he left, he left us here. And instead of just him raising a couple of people from the dead, it should be all of us raising a couple of people from the dead. We should have people being raised from the dead all the time if we would just begin to trust and believe that it's possible. And some people say, oh, that's crazy, only Jesus could do that. But it's, it's been documented many times since Jesus left that people have been raised from the dead. We were just talking about on, on Wednesday night, Joseph was telling a story about a man who was embalmed and came back to life after they prayed for him. We had uh, uh, Dean Braxton came and ministered at the at the Tucson church, and he was dead for like six minutes. or or four no, four hours was it four hours? Huh? Forty five minutes. Sorry, he was dead for a long time. <laughs> forty five minutes he was dead. They have doctor. They did. They've done document, documentaries on it. They've done interviews with the doctors. they they've said he was dead for forty five minutes. Came back to life. He actually went to heaven. Tells the story of how he went to heaven. You know, this is the kind of stuff that we should be seeing more regularly. This shouldn't be something that happens every now and then. Man, being prayed for for a headache or for for a backache, I mean, that's just, we shouldn't even think about it. We just, You know, you don't belong here. I was bought with a price. By your stripes I am healed. And move on our way, it should be done with. But it's tough. That's that's, You know, we have to start with that faith like a mustard seed and just continue to grow and spend time in His Word. And I believe that if you begin to do that and hear His word and walk that out and begin to exercise that faith as well, you're going to see amazing things happen in your life. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you've been born of God, if you're born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have overcome the world. You are victorious. You are more than a conqueror. Well, how is that so? It's by your faith. Because the truth is, is that stuff's going to come against you. Stuff's going to to, to come at you. You're going to have the devil coming at you. You're going to have life coming at you. You're going to have other people coming at you. But the scripture says, with faith you're victorious in all of these things. And in Luke 18, 17, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is also a reference to faith as well. This is one of mine that that I've become to understand so much more after I had children. Because I'm looking at this, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. What does that mean, like a child? And then the first time my eyes were open to that was when my son, he was just two or three years old, and he broke this toy. I don't remember what toy it is anymore, but I remember he broke it, like good and broken, like I wasn't fixing it. And he says, Dad, fix it. And I'm like, I, I can't, son. It's broken. I can't fix it. he says, no, you can fix it. There was not a doubt in his mind that I could fix this toy. Because he, he, he trusts me. He believed me. He said, you know what? You can do anything. That's my dad. He can do anything. And and I began to understand what it meant, faith like a child. Because he trusted me to fix it. And, and newsflash, it didn't get fixed. I couldn't fix it. But that's the kind of faith you have to have. Or, have you ever seen... A little kid standing on a wall, and you walk up. You say, "Jump!" and without hesitation, they just jump. It's not till they've fallen and hit and hit the ground a couple times to the to the, the more leery about that. Because in the beginning, you no, know, we always catch our kids, and they jump and they they get caught. There's there's no issue of trust. They have unwavering faith in us. The truth is, is that children rely on their parents for everything, particularly when they're young, when they're. We're just talking about here. These little young ones. When we we look at uh, Can I call him Johnny Number Five? I think I like that better. Little Johnny Arrow over here. Did he did he get up and make himself breakfast this morning? No. Did he get up and put his clothes on this morning? No. He didn't do anything for himself this morning. You did everything, and he relies on you for everything. Let's be honest. We know money get everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a baby once too, I know who did everything. <laughs> but yeah, they, they did everything for him. He couldn't do anything for himself. He relies on them one hundred percent for everything. And that's what we should be like. That's what God wants is us to rely on him one hundred percent for everything. And trust in him. That's childlike faith. Amen. There's a couple. Of th- there's many times in scriptures we see faith in action, but I want to point out a couple. Matthew 15, 25-28 says, But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. The desires of our hearts will be made a reality by our faith in jesus she wanted her daughter to be healed she wasn't jewish and at this point jesus ministry was just to the jews at this point point. and he says it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs basically what he's saying is is that i've come for the jews you're a gentile you're not to have any part of me but she knew who he was she she had a, a greater revelation of who he was than even the jews did at the time she knew there was something more there and she says, you know what, I'll take whatever you have, whatever you have, I, anything. I'm just going to believe in you. I'm going to trust in you. And he says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Did you know that Jesus did two miracles in the Bible that he didn't want to do? And both of them were by women, talking them into doing stuff. Remember we were talking on Mother's Day about women being, moms being stubborn? His mom said, turn, the, you know, turn this water into wine. Or Jesus, do something, we're out of wine. He's like, what does that got to do with me, Woman? And she doesn't. She just ignores him, and she says, you know what, just do whatever he says. And she walks away, and Jesus is like, I guess go get me the, the dirty feet water. And he turned it into wine. Here's another one. He's like, Jesus, heal my daughter. He's like, no, not only that, you're first to her as a dog. And he said, you know, you're, you're not, this is not what I'm here for. And she says, no, I believe you have something for me. And he says, Woman, your faith is great. This is the second. He didn't want to do this, but he did it anyway because of her faith. And in both of those cases, those women's faith were great. They believed that he was going to do it, even if he didn't want to. And because of that, because of that faith, there was just a stubborn faith that that, that he was going to do what he could do. And a miracle happened in their lives. In Luke 7, 6 through 9, it says, And Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, and Centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned to the crowd that followed and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. The, the place where Jesus found the greatest faith was in a, a centurion man, a Roman soldier. It wasn't even a Jew. And he, he got it. He said, you know what, you don't even have to come. I need, I need my, my servant healed, but you don't even have to come. Because I understand authority, I understand faith. He said, when I, when I tell my, my soldiers to do something, I believe that they're going to do it. I trust that they're going to do it. I don't have to think about it. I, don't, I, don't, I tell them, I give an order, and I don't give a second thought. I know that it's going to be done. Because that's how authority works, and he believed that's how it's going to work. And granted, on his side, if it didn't happen, they were probably going to die. So, you know, they had pretty good motivation to do what they were told. But uh, he understood how authority worked, and he understood how faith worked. And he said, "You know what? I get that. I tell my my soldiers to do it, and they do it. So, you know what? You just tell my servant to be healed, and he'll be healed." And that was incredible faith in action. There wasn't a doubt. There wasn't a. Con- I mean, there was. There was no confusion. There was no, you know, hopefully. There was no wishy-washiness. He said, you know what? You just tell him to be healed and it's done. I believe that you're a man of authority and and that's how we need to, I believe that's how we need to interact with God when we're dealing with stuff as well. We don't have to beg God. We don't have to, we just need to believe that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. Amen? And then we will go ahead, oh, no, we're not going to end there. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> Hebrews 6:11 through 12, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is the big kicker that everybody has. It's the whole patience part, especially in Americas we we're like we're a microwave burrito um, uh, type of society, and especially a convenience store. I don't know you ever got, you ever used the convenience store microwave? I wish my microwave was as good as theirs. I mean, at, at my house, I get a frozen burrito. It's got to go in there for like two and a half, three minutes. At home, it's like number three, 30 seconds. You know, I get done my hair standing up and glowing, but the burrito is bang done like that. You don't want to stay. If you want to have kids, don't stand next to a convenience store microwave. I'm telling you. I'm going to take that ability right out of you. But that's the, that's the society we live in. We, we've wants, you know we want to put it in, and it's done immediately. But the truth is, is that with faith, sometimes we have to do patience. You know, with healing, one of the big areas that I talked about, it says you lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It doesn't say they'll instantly recover; it says they will recover. Sometimes it takes a little while. We just continue to believe God that they will be well. It says that we desire each one to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance. That's that's a good amount of assurance. That's all of it, completely assured of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but be imitators of those who faith and patience. Inherit the promises. First step is faith, and the second step inheriting the promises is patience. Sometimes you have to wait for it to go. Sometimes it's it's like when you. I remember when I was a kid, I used to love. My mom would buy uh, pop bags of popcorn kernels, and I don't know if you know this, but you can plant those and they'll grow. So I would pull them out, and I would I would get a a, a thing of dirt, and I would put them in there, and I would let them grow. And after it took a few days, right? You put a seed in. And you had to be patient. You had to have faith that it would grow. Because there were a couple times I'm like, man, is anything happening? And I dug them up and I ended up killing the colonel. I ended up killing because I dug it up. And I don't know why, but you can't just put it back in and cover it up. Once you do that, they're kind of done. They're dead. And I think that's what happens with us so often is we begin to trust God for something. And we're like, man, I believe you, God. I'm a, I am believe that you're going to have this happen. It's going to come to fruition. And, and two days later, we're like, Oh, I guess God doesn't want that, and we give up instead of continuing to trust Him. You know, we have somebody that's sick, and you come up to ask him, "Are you trusting God for healing?" He's like, "Yeah, I've been I've been trusting Him, and, and nothing's happening." I I mean, I've been believing Him since yesterday morning, and not nothing's happened. Sometimes we just got to keep going. I mean, you look at in stories in the Bible. I don't think I've ever met anybody that's had to have faith like some of those guys did. I mean, Abraham had faith for twenty five years. For, the promise, for a son, for that promise. 25 years. And we're like, I asked last Tuesday. It must not be God's will. 25 years. And then Noah, 125 years. He preached for 125 years. I believe it was 100. Is that right? 125 years? 120 years? long time. I would have gave up way long before that. And if you look, and you know, you talk to, to read about some theologians and stuff that at that time before the flood, they, they say that uh, it could very well be that our atmosphere was completely different. We may not even have had rain before then. And it, uh, the the way plants suffer water was just a, apparently massive humidity <laughs> that the dew would provide on them. And there may not have even been rain, at least not rain like we know it now. And he's out there preaching saying, hey, you're gonna have a, uh, we don't have a word for it. Let's make up a word. Rain, rain's gonna come down, and, and you've never seen it before. But the whole world's gonna fill up with water. And he's preaching and telling everybody, if you want to be saved, you know, start serving God. Come with me. And and he 125 years he built that boat and was telling people or 120 years telling people that stuff, and and nobody came with him. Not only did he did he have to have faith for 120 years. He wasn't even uh, the, the the least successful preacher in the world. Nobody came with him, just his family. And then God, God's faith, God, what God said came true. When God says something, it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. That's all there is to it. If we will trust Him. So we'll end here for reals this time. Ephesians six thirteen through seventeen says: Therefore, take up the whole armor, whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. you got stuff coming against you? Hold up the shield of faith. And it will extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, faith is not something that we do once and then it's done. It's something that we do continue. We have to stand firm. Part of this here says, uh, stand firm. And then stand, therefore, basically stand firm and then continue to stand firm. And one of the weapons that we have as we stand firm to the, to the end of our days is the shield of faith. And then Paul said to Timothy down here, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. You continue believing, you continue trusting God. Even faith for salvation is not a one-off thing. You continue believing that God has done that for you, that Jesus has died for you. It's not a, a one-and-done thing. And in everything, we continue to walk in faith. We continue to stand firm in faith. And when we are, we can know that we have an assurance of the hope, the assurance of the promises of God, because the one who has promised is faithful. Amen? Amen. Stand to our feet.